Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... There are times where God would just remove His hand. And the hope was that they would eventually, after they get wumbled and bumbled, that they'd eventually look up. The amazing thing with the Lord is whenever they would turn back to Him, He would take them. Whenever they came back, He took them. He didn't reject them. He didn't kick them to the curb. When they came back, He took them. Amen? God is merciful and gracious. Even that's what, I mean, as you, as you study Israel's history, it's like, what are we supposed to take from this, Lord? We're learning about God. God's merciful. Parents are always there to support their children in all different types of struggles. However, there are times when parents need to let their kids fall, so to speak. Sometimes, people start to expect their parents to catch them so much that they don't make an effort to succeed or do better. As Pastor Bill shows you, that was the case with the Israelites. Sometimes he would remove his hand and let them fall. Eventually, they would turn back to God, and because of His mercy, He took them back every time. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 31. As he continues his message, how will you finish? I want you to consider, right? Consider your life, and not in a, not in a, a weird way, but I mean, sometimes it's healthy to consider, man, if I die, God, what is my, what is my life? What have I left? What's... What's, what have I left behind me? You know, what testimony have I left? What, what have I done with this life? What have I said to people? What have I done? What, what's left? And is it what I want? Because we're not dead yet, we can still, you know, we can get to, if you look and think, man, I, I, don't, I, don't like, I don't like the picture that I would be. If it was today, I don't like that funeral. Well, you got some time left because you ain't dead yet. Amen. And that's why this message is for you, right? That you can, you can consider your life and think, man, I, I, you know, I want to I want to make sure I'm living for what matters. I've also been in funerals where people who live so soundly for the Lord. And I, I'm going to just share one that I remember it blessed me. There is a lady that came to my old church. So this is years ago, people that we don't know. But she came and she said, my brother had passed away. Her brother had passed away two months earlier. And there was so much turmoil in the family that they didn't even provide a funeral for him. And she said, and I just feel so bad about it. I'm supposed to be a Christian Blah, blah, blah. So I, I want to do a funeral. Could you guys do a funeral for my brother? And we said, sure. So we, you know, we're working on things. We're getting information from her. The brother used to be a biker, you know, biker gang guy. He got radically born again, like radically saved. And then he completely flipped. And he was preaching the gospel to everybody in the family. And they all turned on him. And so he was part of this big ministry where the bikers would go out and share the gospel and all this stuff. And he had his church family people. And um, so as people came up one by one, so all the people that there were people that he led to the Lord that came. There were people in his biker club that came. There were guys that knew him before he got saved that saw him afterward. Every testimony said, wow, I, I wish I had met this guy because his life had been so, it was, you, you, they were testifying of a radical conversion. Every, every person, even those that were mad at the change, were still saying there was a radical conversion. That made that funeral so fun to preach. Because I'm, I'm, his life preached already. His whole life said, I was once like this, real hard. And then I met the Lord and I've been going that way, real hard. And then he got sick and he died. But the confidence that he was with the Lord and that he had not wasted his days 
Um, and I knew it wasn't wasted because I'm listening to the testimonies. People are saying, oh man, he shared this and he led me to the Lord. He discipled my grandson and he did this over here. And this guy was just going for it. And he had shared with his family, um, rather they, they hadn't received it or whatever, but he had shared with them. And, um, you know, they, they had fallen on deaf ears, but it looked like at the end, the Lord got his sister and the secretary at the church that did all the work for the funeral got to one, got to do Titus two, got the disciple, this, the sister that came. And I thought, man, he, he's even gone and it's still working, still working. And so, again, I'm encouraged and I'm encouraging you guys. We got one life. And my pastor said this, we, it's only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. So you got one life. It's going to be over before we know it. And only what we do for God is going to, that's all that's going to matter when it's all said and done. What did you do for Jesus? There'll, there'll come a day where that's all that matters is what did we do for him? Amen. And so moving on now, it says, verse seven, and when the men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley and those who were on the other side of the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they forsook the cities and fled and the Philistines came and dwelt in them. And so once the Philistines saw that Saul and his guys are dead, they're like, we won. And they start taking ground. They're like, now we're going to move in and take what was yours. Next, they're going to start taking stuff. They're going to start stripping bodies and taking the spoil. That was how war went back then. You know, first you, you took the ground, then you took the stuff. And so this is a sad day for the people of God, right? That God's people lost. Why did God's people lose in the battle at this point in time? I throw that out real quick because we're watching God's people lose a war significantly. So apart from the fact that Saul was a joke of a leader and a king, why did God let his people die like this? Why did they lose? Why were they devastated in, in this in this fashion? Anybody? Is that because they didn't go to him? OK. Um, they were honoring the Lord. They weren't walking in the way that they should. Something that seems pretty consistent with the Lord is when his people were walking in obedience, worshiping him according to what he had prescribed in the word, um, they were victorious. They, they did well. When they were not doing what they were supposed to be doing, there were times where God was up. I'll, I'll remove my hand. Y'all, I'm going to let you see what it looks like when I'm, I'm not carrying you. Because, uh, you know, sometimes that can happen in our, our lives. We can start thinking that we're doing all right. And God's like, let me let me remove my hand. Right. You, you all grace. Some of you parents have had to do that to your kids. Your kids get a little uppity and don't realize that every, you realize everything you have is coming from me. Your food, your drink, your clothes, your shoes, your gas, your, you know. And so as a parent, if you just remove it all, um, you know, then it's they, hopefully it's, it's a humbling experience where they realize that, you know, I need to say please and thank you a little more or whatever. But there are times where God would just remove his hand. And the hope was that they would eventually, after they get wumbled and bumbled, that they'd eventually look up. The amazing thing with the Lord is whenever they would turn back to him, he would take them. Whenever they came back, he took them. He didn't reject them. He didn't kick them to the curb. When they came back, he took them. Amen. God is merciful and gracious. Even that's what I mean. As you, as you study Israel's history, it's like, what are we supposed to take from this, Lord? We're learning about God. God's merciful. When his people are rebellious, God will discipline those that he loves. 
Um, when people turn back to the Lord in sincerity, he's merciful and gracious. He forgives. He's long suffering. Um, he gives second and third and fourth and fifth and seventh and eighth and, you know, chances. Um, God is a good God. Amen. And that's that's one thing that we learn as we go through the word. And even in a time like this, God is a good God. Um, their lessons are being learned here. Things are being picked up. Um, Israel's learning lessons that hopefully, you know, that it'll, it'll, it'll continue throughout their history as you read it. It's up and down, back and forth. You know, it's like they don't ever fully get it, um, but they get it for moments. Like moment, the moments where they would get it, God would honor. Verse eight now. So what happened the next day? So after they beat them and after they took the land, when the Philistines came to strip the slain, that they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. So when they got there and they saw Saul was dead, his three sons, um, they found him as they were going through stripping the bodies. And that's what they would do as you go to war. Sounds really gross, but it's, you know, you would take, it's time to take the spoils. You know, you take the, whatever they had on them that you wanted, you took it. And, um, and that's what people were going through and, and finding. They found as they were going through, you know, collecting the spoils, they found Saul and his three sons. Now, the, the, I was reading on some of the different things that the Philistines, the Syrians, and all the pagan, you know, um, some of these different pagan nations would do to people when they would capture them. And it, it, honestly, it wasn't much different than what Israel did, right? When Israel, when, when David killed Goliath, what did he do? Cut off his head and he grabbed me. The, the image is him running through with the head of Saul. Like, I got him. I did. Saul had Goliath's head and he ran around with it. That sounds gruesome to us, but it was common in that day. That was that was like we celebrate and we have a victory. Look, here's his head off of his neck. There's he is no longer a threat to us. Sounds gross, but Israel did. It. I don't want to make it like the pagan nations were really nasty and they Israel did it, too. Um, the Philistines had a thing of impaling people. And the idea was, you know, let's say you were a Israelite and you're looking at this Philistine area and all of your soldiers used to be soldiers are impaled and they just line the walkway. How do you feel about that? Terrified. And that was what they wanted. They want, I want, they want you to look, 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 look at what we did to y'all. And the king of y'all, we got him. That was the biggest trophy. Saul was to them going to be a huge trophy. And so it says in verse nine, they cut off his head, Saul's head. They stripped him of his armor and they sent word throughout the land of the Philistines to proclaim it in the temple of their idols and among the people. Then they put his armor in the temple of the Ashtoreths and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. So this is really sad what happens here in um, I have something I hope will encourage us with this, but let me explain what happens first. So they, they take Saul's armor and they bring it into the temples. Uh, they run with his head. They proclaim it everywhere. I want you to think about this. They're, they're, he's, Saul is dead. They're proclaiming. This is good news for the enemies. And they're proclaiming his death. And it says they took his body into one of the temples of their false god, of their, their idol Ashtoreths, and they fastened his body to the wall of Beth Shan. And so they pinned him up on a wall for everybody to see. Um, and this was how they celebrated. They made sure the word went out. I couldn't help. I was reading this and I, it, it, obviously this is a bad thing, right? But I, I read this and I thought, wow, this is so similar 
to what happens to Jesus. Right? The, his enemies killed him. Amen? And they pinned him to the cross. And it was public and it was shameful. And as they left him there, now, now Jesus' situation was different than Saul. Saul was pinned to the wall by the enemy. He was mocked and ridiculed because of his own sin and rebellion. Saul did this to himself. Saul brought this upon himself. Our King Jesus was pinned to the cross, but it wasn't for his own sins. Amen. It was for mine and for yours. And he was humiliated and he was pinned and the enemy celebrated. Um, but it wasn't for anything that he had done. It was for everything that we had done. The cool thing about our story is that three days, the, the enemy had three days to celebrate. But after three days, our king arose again. Amen. And that is why the gospel is good news. Saul, the, there'll never be an earthly king that rivals the king of kings. The, the worst of kings, the best of kings, none of them will measure up to who we have in Jesus, who is our king. And so for Saul here, his own sin has brought him to this place. The enemies of God are, are celebrating this victory over God's people at this point. And bringing, here's what they would do. As they would bring his body into and his armor into the temple of their gods, for them, this was a spiritual victory. They're saying, our gods beat yours. Our gods triumph over yours. And that's why they bring it into their temple in the way that they did. Verse 11 and 12. Now, when the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and traveled all night. And they took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan. And they came to Jabesh and burned them there. Now, this is interesting. One of the one of the first things Saul did when he became king, probably the, you know, before things got real bad, right? So the, one of the first things Saul did, Saul became king. And if you go back and look at 1 Samuel 11, verses 1 through 11, the men of Jabez Gilead were getting, uh, they were being threatened by the Ammonites. And Saul had their back. Saul rallied his troops. Saul went and God gave him a victory there. That was 40 years ago. 40 years earlier, when the men of Jabesh Gilead needed some help, Saul stepped up and he went out and helped. Now, this same group of guys, when they heard that Saul has been killed, his body has been, you know, mutilated, and he's been abused and he's been, you know, he's been pinned to the wall in this temple. They said, no, nah, that's we got to go get him. And all the valiant men of this city got up and they went and uh, they went to go take his body down. And I thought, you know. In this sense, you know, the, the, this, these, these, these men went, they, they, I guess all the valiant men, these are the, the brave and the courageous men. Because of what he had done 40 years earlier, they said, man, we, we, we're going to take our lives in our hands. We're going to go get him. Um, we're not going to let him end in that way. And I think just as a, a note, right, as we consider what Jesus did for us, right, we should be willing to boldly and courageously live out our lives for his glory. Um, these men are doing what, you know, this, this king did this for us way back when we're going to do him a solid. Now, when I consider what Jesus has done for us and what he's endured over, you know, the cross, the resurrection, all the things that he's accomplished. I believe that the right response from us as believers is that we would live boldly and courageously our lives for his glory. Um, it says they, they went and took the bodies down and they burned them. Some believe that because uh, cremation was not a Jewish practice. Um, Jewish, the Jews buried their dead. 
Um, and so cremation was, some people believe that the reason that they burned them was because they had been so mutilated um, that they just burned them. And also that, you know, this would eliminate them being able to, you know, dig this up and, and do, do something else with it later. Um, but it, it's just to note that this wasn't a normal practice. And so that would beg a question that I, I've, I've been asked before is, um, is it okay to cremate our bodies? You know, when you die, um, there's some Christians that think, no, no, you shouldn't cremate. You should only get buried because Jesus was buried. And most in the Bible, people got buried. But here's the bottom line. And some people wonder, well, you know, if you get cremated in the resurrection, how are you going to come back? Right. But I mean, if you died in a fire as a believer and God says, look, the dead in Christ shall rise. You got to rise. If you die, if you if you died 5000 years ago, you good as burned anyway. Ain't nothing left. You know, so um, I, my, my point is, however, whatever, whatever happens to this body when we leave it, God's not going to have any problem resurrecting the dead and giving up. We get a new body anyway. So um, I don't think it matters. I think that whatever you do, some, some people staunchly, you know, no, you got to do a you know burial casket and spend a bazillion dollars. You know, some people say, man, burn me up, put me in a bottle, throw me in the ocean. You know, uh, we'll, we'll get done in five hours. What would have took, you know, 50 years or whatever. Um, I, I don't really think it matters. But in this case, um, I, I have heard, heard a whole Bible study where the only instances of, you know, people being burned in the scriptures were always people that weren't doing well, people that weren't in good favor. And so, um, which doesn't really line up because Jonathan got burned here uh, and he was, Jonathan was solid. So uh, don't, don't, I, I just want to put it out, that doesn't really matter. So if you, if you, if you get buried, you get burned up as uh, long as you were saved when you died. Amen. All right. Verse 13, it says, and then they took the bones, they took their bones and they buried them under the tamarisk tree at Jabesh and fasted seven days. Final thought, and I thought this was really interesting because Saul was under a tamarisk tree before, right? Um, and so if you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 6, when Saul was being a coward and Saul was not doing, he wasn't going to war with the people he was supposed to go to war with, um, but he's sitting under the tamarisk tree there and he's got his men all around him with his spear in his hand and he's directing traffic and that's when Saul goes and he murders the priest. And uh, he just goes on, on a rampage and I thought, I wonder why they buried him under a tamarisk tree. I wonder if their memory of Saul was, you know, remember he liked the he liked to sit under the shade of the tamarisk tree. These are big trees. They provided a lot of shade. The the Bedouins in, in um, Israel, they use these trees for shade out in, in the desert. And so as we as we close with this thought, right, I, I, I just wonder I, I wouldn't make this doctrine, but I wonder if they buried him at at this thing, because as we remember him in this way. We remember him. That's where he liked to be sitting there under the shade or whatever. I don't know that, but I wondered that as I watch it. And I, what I do know is this. I, everybody here will be remembered. A memorial service is really a, a remembrance service. Uh, people are remembering, right? People are, we're, we're, we're remembering, we're, we're, you know, remembering, trying to remember the good times of somebody that's passed away and gone. Everybody here will be remembered. I, I want you to really give some contemplation to how would you be remembered at this point? Are you pleased with that? Is there something you would like to be remembered for that you're not, 
right now wouldn't be the case. Because again, the cool thing with the fact that we're living now is that we have a chance now, everybody here can, we can turn it up a notch if that's what we need to do. And we would say, man, I don't, I don't know what they would remember me for, or they would remember me for the wrong thing. You know, sometimes people live out loud their sin and they live real quiet their Christianity. Um, we got to turn the dial. I, I need to, I feel like it's unfair if my, if my Christianity ain't at least at the same, at least as loud as my sinful life. Um, hopefully it's louder. Hopefully, it, you know, we've we got the volume all the way cranked up on Christ in our lives. And so um, while we look at the death of Saul, it's a sad end to his life. Saul does not finish well. It's an opportunity for us to contemplate our lives. And there are people in scripture that finish well, Right. The, the best example of everything is going to be Jesus. Jesus finishes well. He, Jesus finishes his life hanging on a cross saying it is finished. What does that mean? I did what I was sent here to do. What, did he, what was he sent to do? To die for the sins of the world, to accomplish salvation for us, to take our sins upon himself and to die in our place. And he said it from the cross. It is finished to tell us I did it. I did what I was sent here. That's how we want to end this life. Everybody here, Paul said this, and I love it, in Philippians, he says, I want to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. We need to be pregnant with a sense that God laid hold of me with a purpose. God didn't just lay hold of you like, oh, I got another one. Oh, I got another Christian. Ah, I saved you. No, he says, Paul says, God laid hold of me with purpose. And every one of us, that's true for you too. The God is laid. If you're a believer today, there's more non-believers than believers. Amen. There are more people on the wide road than the narrow road. You blessed to be on the narrow road somewhere along the way. God apprehended you. He got a hold of you. He got your attention and you surrendered to him. You've made Jesus Lord. You are going to heaven when you die. And Paul says, I want to make sure that I lay hold of that for which he laid hold of me. That means when God laid hold of me, he had something in mind. And when God laid hold of you, he had something in mind. Nobody, nobody is without divine purpose. Not, not, no believer is lacking in divine purpose. God's got a purpose for our lives. And so Paul said, I want to do that. And at the end of Paul's life, he said, Paul was able to say, it is finished. I finished the race, right? I, I, Paul knew at the end of his life, he had completed what God had given him to do. I think that's how I want to go. I would love to be old and wrinkled up somewhere, getting ready to die saying, I think I'm done now. I, I did what I got put here to do, you know? Um, and so how do you get, how do you, how do you finish like that? It's how we, we got to live it right now. We got to live every day right now for the glory of the Lord, that God would have his way in our lives. We're all a work in progress. We're all growing in the grace of God, but we want to live that way. God, you lay hold of me with purpose. I'm, I want to live each day that I'm laying, I want to make sure I'm laying hold of the thing for which you laid hold of me. Amen. And so, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the examples, good and bad. Uh, we thank you for Saul's life and all the lessons that we learn as we look at uh, the life of a man who started off with great promise. Uh, so much going for him in the beginning. Uh, but God, it just it just doesn't end well for him. And we saw why. And uh, God, I pray that we would learn from that. We would learn from his example of what not to do. That God, we might start well, that we might be doing well in the middle and that when it's all said and done, that we be men and women that also finish well. And so God, um, thank you for your word. 
Thank you for meeting us in this place. Uh, thank you for speaking to us. And I pray, God, that whatever you have spoken to our hearts, if we've been stirred, challenged, convicted, encouraged, reminded, help us to live in response to what you have spoken and shown us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. there are many ways that you can spend your day, but we're delighted that you chose to spend time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel. Pastor Bill is the voice behind these teachings here on A Transforming Word. We genuinely trust that what you're hearing is truly having a transforming effect on your life through listening to God's Word. What is standing out to you about the book of 1 Samuel? Is it the character of Samuel and how he came to the position he did in Israel? Perhaps your curiosity is piqued by the accounts of young David fighting off wild animals and even fighting against a giant enemy. There are all kinds of accounts of fights, chases, and running away from someone who was once trusted. There are also great moments of David and Jonathan and their friendship. This Old Testament book can be such a treasure of information, history, and life lessons. We hope that you're connecting with it in multiple ways today. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry based out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, in Inglewood, California. Would you come visit us? Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Look for links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Our time with you today is about up, but please join us again for the next edition as Pastor Bill continues to teach through the book of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep learning and growing in the Word, and be expected for another great message here on A Transforming Word.